Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Roberta, do tell where you got your wonderfully gorgeous look today. Well, Rachel, glad you asked. It's from the Royally Obsessed merch shop. May I just say it is stunning on you. I am We're twinning also... in our sweatshirts today. That I is just love when happened. we don't coordinate and this happens. Like... We woke up separately and decided to dress to impress in matching attire. Great minds think alike. Yes. All right, let's get into the episode. Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. I'm Rachel. We have a really surprisingly packed episode for what is a sort of quiet week with the Royals. Because we're here to give you the good stuff always. (laughs) Always, always. And if you want more of the good stuff, please follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. And send us an email. We love hearing from our listeners. Info at gallerypodcasts.com. Rachel, what's on tap for today? Well, first and foremost, those adorably cute Charlotte birthday pictures. I feel like we wait with bated breath for those to hit the IG, and they did. Didn't disappoint. Harry's West Coast polo match, a Windsor security breach. Again, I'm like, is this old news? It's not. It's new news. And a chat with Aaron Vanderhoof and Katie Nickel, royal experts for Vanity Fair and co-hosts of the new royal podcast, Dynasty. Podcasts about podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, what are we drinking, Roberta? And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. Today, for our episode, we are sipping Aveline Wine, which is Cameron Diaz's wine brand. It's canned wine. Rachel and I were lucky enough to try the white wine and the rosé, and I was not disappointed. Oh my gosh, it's also just so beautiful. Like canned wine is a thing, and I get that, but this is something I like really want to Instagram, and it's It's delicious. It looked, it made my fridge look chic, which is a a tall order these days. So yeah, it's very, the packaging, it's like these millennial colors, I want to say. I don't know how to describe them. So chic. It's like matte too. It's beautiful. If if anything, just get it for the colors. So it was was good though. It was still good. It was delicious. uh, Taste inorganic and like sugar-free and all that. So, Um, but Rachel, I want to ask you, did you follow the Met Gala social media post? I did. I was kind of. And also the other news, which is way more. I know. I feel like is, that ugh. was the the juxtaposition of everything going on with Roe versus Wade, and that like has been making my head explode all week. Same. Um, but yeah, I was definitely keeping tabs on the Met Gala as well. The Bridgerton moments. Did you see Phoebe and Reggae? On I the... didn't recognize her actually. But did like, you see them get the, the shots together too? Oh no, I didn't see <gasps> them together. Roberta, go to the Bridgerton fan accounts on Instagram, okay, and you okay. will not be disappointed. I saw Nicola Coughlin in that feather dress, oh, and I stunning. It was such Lady Whistledown vibes. I loved it so much. I also really liked Billie Eilish's dress. I thought yes. that was kind of great and a, a good on theme rendition but um but yeah then the juxtaposition of all that it's like total yeah. dystopia it just fell in oh my, my heart gosh. just sinks so 
It's like a it's a weird it's a weird time we're all living in. And we continue least. to hopefully be an escape for everyone. That is yes, our number which, one goal. Perfect segue because our listener email, Julia says, thank you so much for your podcast. I am the only one in my circle that loves the Royals. So it's awesome to have this community. And Julia asks us, are we going to London for Her Majesty the Queen's Jubilee weekend? Well, sadly, <laughs> we are not. We are not. Heavy hearts. We heavy hearts. That we but are we are going. definitely, London is in the works yeah. for 2022. It is yes. a massive goal of ours. That said, we are going to be celebrating like crazy on this side of the pond. So we will not disappoint you guys. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of things coming up and we're really excited. And Rachel and I were for, will for sure be together that day. And I can't wait to just have more announcements with about you. that. Hopefully like next week. So yes, stay, stay tuned. tuned. Stay oh, tuned. Jinx. Also, we did get some Jubilee Updates, jubbly updates. We know that <laughs> we have Ed to always Sheeran, say jubbly, right? <laughs> I can't not say it. it's the best. Ed Sheeran perf- is performing at the People's Pageant, which is the Sunday celebrations. And there's also going to be this is like it feels like word vomit. I don't know what all these mean. It's like <laughs> Mad Lib, but this is what is also happening. It's a Queen Elizabeth II bust made of real people. Not sure what how that does that mean. <laughs> Giant corgi puppets, British icons on buses, which I believe means real people like Kate Moss <laughs> and like Victoria Beckham and David Beckham and all these people on double decker buses. A moving cake, a giant what? moving cake, a giant dragon. I feel like it's the Macy's Day Parade on like <laughs> steroids, but British. Like, that's what I'm getting. From Can me. I rewind to the giant corgi puppets? Like you're exactly right. Macy's Day Parade, but. That will be phenomenal on some level. I don't this know. This is like a crazed Mad Libs <laughs> thing. Like, I don't know what they're thinking. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be it's so splashy. All, it's all line. over the place right now. Yeah. All right. This week in royal history. And now, this week in royal history. Very special one. The birth of Charlotte Elizabeth Diana, fourth in line to the throne, born May 2nd, 2015 at 8.34 a.m., we know that oh. moment of Kate stepping out in the Jenny Packham dress, yellow florals, full blowout by Amanda Cook Tucker, and heels, nude patent heels oh 10 goodness. hours after giving birth. I Amazing. just look at her blowout too. Like her hair, we talk about her hair a lot on this podcast and it's evolved so much. It's very layered and piecey when she, like I just, I looking back at the images, that really struck me. It feels almost like too full, like it's a prop and it's getting in the way because yeah. she keeps having to like move it while holding little Charlotte. But here's a clip from Max Foster and CNN International from that day. And it is a little long, but I just love it so it much because it really yeah. sets the tone. So here, here's that. A baby princess is welcomed into the world. Just over 10 hours after giving birth, the Duchess of Cambridge looked radiant. The Duke beaming beside her as they emerged from St. Mary's Hospital with their little girl, eight pounds, three ounces. In front of hundreds of cameras and well-wishers, Kate settled her new baby into a waiting car. William got behind the wheel and drove his family home to Kensington Palace. I remember being nervous about him driving, like always. (laughs) The news of the birth was announced on Twitter and then moments later by a traditional town crier. It's a girl! It's a girl! 
I think Twitter was kind of new then too. On Twitter. On Twitter. It was a happy moment <laughs> that hundreds had waited for outside the hospital, some since the beginning of April. It's a baby girl. What more can we want? Over eight pounds. George was eight pounds six. Are you happy? Oh, I'm over the moon. I feel like I've had the baby myself. I'm so late. I feel like that was all of us. We were just like, it was felt born. like we and gave not just her. any baby. We did it. A royal baby. <laughs> and not just any royal baby, a princess. This is one of the most amazing feelings. I know it's weirdly. I it's feel like of, I recognize it's a silly this girl. Feeling, but I don't know who she is. But she just seems so. Kind of I know. Catch myself. Familiar. Take a step back and really soak it all in. One of the princess's first visitors was her brother, Prince George. The best moment. William had been in the delivery room, momentarily leaving the hospital to collect his 22-month-old son. Within 20 minutes, he was back. The toddler making his first public appearance since the royal tour of Australia a year ago. William willed the little prince to walk. He preferred to be carried, but delighted the crowd with a wave. Uh, the British so public cute. had wagered on a baby sister baby George. for George. I feel like I think of that moment because of the blue sweaters and then seeing the Charlotte pictures on her seventh birthday in the blue. Like, I don't know why anytime I see a blue sweater, I go back to her birth because of the matching blue between William and George that day. Well, and then to get this new these new pictures, which seven years later, oh my she's gosh, time flies. Growing up, what? But she is she's so cute. Her hair is so long. And I mean, the best part is the dog reveal. Oh, yes. I thought of you Orla. immediately because you've been like really on top of this. Like, what is that name? I've thought about it so much. This might be the one royal mystery that I've like really stuck to for the past two years since we since we started because not really, because I guess Lupo passed away in November 2020, but they got the dog. They got Orla a little before that. So I did some sleuthing mm-hmm. and on James Middleton's Instagram, of course, my favorite pastime. And I figured out this dog, Orla, her birthday is May 29th, mm-hmm. my brother's birthday. Weird. But she'll be two on May 29th. So that's exciting. I picture and... you with a magnifying glass. Like, I don't know why. I know there's no magnifying glass involved, but I just picture that because you are such an incredible sleuth in particular related to James Middleton. Well, and I just love dogs and he loves dogs so much. And I'm so much really in common, Roberta. excited. <laughs> Supposedly Orla, though, I know. Yeah, I tease, I tease. James. Um, supposedly Orla means golden princess in Celtic, although that's not why they chose the name is what sources have told the Telegraph and that it just kind of falls in line with the other dogs' names, like two syllables, ends with an A. So there's like Luna, mm-hmm. I think Inca is one, Zulu, Ella. So it kind of makes it's sense. It's a great name. I really love it. I also just, when I saw those pictures, like I just sent you a link, oh, but um, just oh, how yeah. much Charlotte looks like William to me. Yes. It's hard Especially to make the, the call. I know teeth. she. Yeah, <laughs> I know she looks like a lot. And also, if you flash back to George's seventh birthday picture, there was also a really toothy smile. And I feel like that's what we got from Charlotte. And I feel like that was just really fun to see. But I is loved it, it cute or creepy that royal sleuths, not me, were like, oh, she lost her tooth between now and Easter because in the Easter picture she has all her teeth. I was like, wow, that's, whoa, that's way too mind deep. Blown. Too far. You took it too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you also applaud them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but uh, we do have another royal birthday, and that's Cousin Archie is oh. May 6th. twenty. Well, that's he was born in 2019, Friday. so he'll be three. I know, so wow. exciting stuff. I always think of him with Duck Rabbit. I always, That was like such a pandemic moment oh. for him, you know, when you think back to that book. And I think got of that. the chicken coop with him oh, and his yeah. little and, – and also running through Harry's legs on the beach. That's oh. just such a cute video. 
moving on, the Sussexes. Speaking of the Speaking Sussexes. of the Sussexes, yes. We had a Harry and Meghan sighting. Harry was at the Harry East Memorial Tournament at Santa Barbara Polo Club this past week. The pictures came from his pal Nacho Figueres, who also spilled that the team name was Los Padres, which means fathers and parents in Spanish. It was a nod to the proximity of to the Los Padres National Forest, but also to Nacho and Harry's connection as dads, which I thought was really sweet. But I overall, I was thrilled to see Harry. He looked incredible at this match, but Harry Schmary, Megan was there. Oh, I thought you were going to say Harry Schmary Nacho because he's... <laughs> Oh my God, Very good looking. He's a Dreamboat. Ralph Lauren ambassador, I think. And his friendship with Harry is is so heartwarming to me. And I but think anyways, they call I Nacho the like the David Beckham of polo. He's really <laughs> renowned. I mean, you wow. and I talking about sports is just That must good. be weird when you're friends with David Beckham and also Nacho yeah, to be like, I don't know, that's funny. Overlap. But I was just, I mean, Megan, another white blazer. I just mm. loved that look. I'm really shopping. I'm peaking white blazers now. Although I do feel like it like throws me back to what my closet used to look like because I used to wear a lot of like tops and yeah. blazers and jeans, but um her son had the button down shorts. She just it looked feels like so it feels chill. Like, um pre-royal Megan to yeah. me. Like a lot of the stuff she's wearing. I guess that's because she was California to begin with. But wait, okay, Rachel, I had a question. Yeah. I'm sending you this article. If you scroll down to the third picture, it's yes. Megan sitting with her friend, Marcus Anderson. Who was her companion at the match. Yeah. Yes. What is that black tent? Do you think like a baby cover? Like what's going on with that? That's what I thought it was. Is like that's a pram inside there or like a little a car seat. Right? Oh, I, I didn't see this, Roberta. Um, like, I think that, like, Lily's there, right? Maybe. I feel like – I don't know. I don't think that – I mean, it could be for a kid in theory, but I also feel like I think they were too laid back and chill seeming to have a kid there. Like, I think she would, we would have seen Lily. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea what it's it like is. A, it's like a mini tent. It looks – I don't know. Because they're so know. protective of Lily and Archie. I feel like if we got – these are clearly pap- paparazzi pics of mm. them. We would have somehow seen the kids and that they would avoid that at all costs, is my opinion. But it is really interesting. What a good detail to spot out. I was mostly looking at her little wine cooler bottle holder what, thing. Yeah, I was like, that? that's so sophisticated. But I also kind of feel like that's just a thing at all polo matches somehow. I like that you assumed it was wine. Like, it's probably oh, just it's water. water. <laughs> I bet it's water. I didn't mean wine. And I like that you assumed <laughs> she's just like, watching with yeah, wine. Yeah. I, I mean, why so. not? She wine deserves it. not. Yeah, yeah but okay. it was really cool to see her. So that was a great, exciting moment and gave me this glimpse of what their chill summer could look like, you know, just yeah, exactly bouncing around Santa Barbara area. The only other real royal update we have this week is that the Sienna was christened. So baby Sienna Finally. is obviously, yeah, seven months later, Princess Beatrice and Edo's baby girl. And the christening supposedly took place April 29th, although it was private. There were no pictures shared or at least none yet. But I just I find it funny that the British media is not losing their shit over that, even though they lost their shit over Meghan and Harry, which it's different. But still, she's also a granddaughter of the Queen. And it just feels like, of course, they're not giving the same amount of scrutiny that they would have. But anyways, the headline, which is just yuck, is just Prince Andrew was spotted leaving his granddaughter Sienna's private christening in his 220,000 pound Bentley with a personalized DOY, meaning Duke of York, license plate. Ugh. Ugh. like flaunting everything i love the detail in this <laughs> it is daily mail but the details that like when he got the car 10 years ago it was blue 
and now it's green. So he obviously paid to have this fancy schmancy car painted with a fancy schmancy paint and it's racing green and it's like, ugh, and he still has the Duke of York license plate and the council of the city of York wants him to remove it. They just voted to, <laughs> for him to remove it and he's flaunting it. He's flaunting it in our faces. So, oh, oh so and last, much about that. That's one ridiculous. last thing because the, the sisters, this deserves to be in the York sisters category is that Eugenie's birthday selfies. I love these. I Jack's know. Birth, for Jack's birthday. And I think the first the first one is supposedly in California. Because I mean, there's major California energy. Yeah. And they look like vacation selves in that photo. It's really cute. I love her sunglasses. I'm really digging all the sunglasses that are on parade from too. Kate, Megan, Eugenie, everybody lately. And I know those are not first class seats in the second picture. I know that those are not. They almost it's it's like Yeah. They flew commercial but not only commercial they flew economy. Did they fly budget? It they don't look like comfy seats. So, you know. Amazing. Props to them. But anyways. I love it. Our fantastic interview now with Katie and Aaron from Vanity Fair's newest podcast, Dynasty. We have some very special guests on this week, Katie Nickel, royal correspondent, and Aaron Vanderhoof, staff writer who regularly covers the royals, both at Vanity Fair. Together, they're co-hosting Dynasty, a brand new podcast dedicated to revealing the shocking behavior, devastating rifts, secret alliances, and epic romances that shape the most influential families today. The first season, well, it's all about our favorites, the Windsors, of course. And this is a quick disclaimer, we are long overdue to have both Aaron and Katie drop by Royally Obsessed, and we are regular readers of their royal coverage on Vanity Fair. Welcome to the pod, Katie and Aaron. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Yes, thank you so much for having us. The podcast is amazing, you guys. It's every Tuesday that the episodes come out. Yep, every Tuesday. And our uh, our next couple of ones, we've got one coming up on Megan. We are also kind of taking a Zoom out. We're thinking about motherhood, the Commonwealth. We're really trying to get to all of the different parts of the royal family that like make up the big story. One of the questions I have is about royal marriages. We're on the heels of Kate and William celebrating 11 years of marriage last week. But also you guys talk about in the show how we might not actually really have a dynasty, so to speak, if the Queen and Philip were subjected to the clickbait media that is currently hurled at modern royals. What do you feel that this means for William and Kate long term, the fact that that is part of their existence? I think we're seeing a real shift in terms of how the royals are covered in the media and how the royals are treating the media. And I think this has been something that actually Erin and I discussed on the podcast because it's something that has been accelerated, I think, with the COVID pandemic. And we've seen the royals using social media and using these platforms in a way that they never used to. You know, there's always this sort of traditional route through the royal correspondence and that traditional form of print media. Well, that's taking a very, very different form now. And I think, as I say, the pandemic has accelerated that. And you are seeing the royals embracing these social media platforms and doing things that, frankly, we wouldn't have seen them do, you know, probably just a decade ago. So we see the Queen tweet. We see her have her own Instagram page. We see William and Kate put out a video to celebrate their 10th wedding anniversary that looks like a John Lewis advertisement, just stuff that we are just not used to seeing. And so 
particularly with that moment where William and Kate launched their own YouTube channel. They really upped the stakes on Instagram. I mean, it's worth pointing out that they poached the Sussexes Instagram and social media team when the Sussexes left for America. Clearly, this is the way forward. And, you know, they know that the monarchy has to change. The monarchy has to modernize to evolve and to stay relevant and to stay current. And in this digital world, that is social media. So the pandemic has accelerated that. And now I think we're seeing them take the narrative into their own hands, put it out on social media in a way that we haven't seen them before. And in a way that I think makes them feel more real and more accessible. So it's been a good thing for the royal family. And I think it means that to answer your question, this way of evolving and keeping in touch with Gen Z and the next generation through social media is quite deliberate. It's not just to have a YouTube channel or to be on Instagram. It's to forge a connection, to enable the relativity with a view to having a future and being able to survive in a modern world. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a lot of pressure, though, like what you guys talk about in the first episode that, you know, the Queen and Philip didn't have to go through that with their the length of their marriage. I wonder how, you know, it will evolve over time, how they'll sustain the glare of all that. Yeah. Speaking of keeping it real, I feel like one of my favorite moments of that episode about the Cambridge's wedding was, Katie, you mentioned this behind the scenes moment of William, Kate, and Harry in bathrobes. Kate oh, I still knew had... you were going to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> Kate still had the tiara. Well, it's such a it's such a visual. It's such a beautiful mm. portrait of them watching. They were watching the ceremony playback on TV, the the television coverage. And I wonder, Katie and Aaron, what are some other of those behind the scenes moments you've learned during the making of this podcast? What I love about working with Katie is that uh, that she has so many of them. She doesn't. Sometimes I feel like you don't even <laughs> always understand just how incredible the the funny little anecdotes that you have are. I mean, I think that my personal favorite moment really is just the times that you get to understand what was really going on. You know, I like love hearing about the ways that certain stories make it to the press in the first place. Like, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the Harry stories, when he was in the tabloids, you realize that there were there were people around who were taking pictures or his protection officers couldn't have could have kept them from taking pictures. And I think I think that that specifically the way that protection officers do kind of work to Make sure that the royals are not being photographed when they don't want to be is something that I've learned from you, Katie, and that you have so many stories about the nightclubs. So, Oh, wow. Well, that one, you know, that was when um, that really was how I ended up in royal reporting. I mean, it's all down to Prince Harry, as I've told Erin. It's, <laughs> it's his fault. It's, it's, it's his fault because I was... This was back in 2006 and I was a show business reporter on the Mail on Sunday and I'd been sent to a a very glamorous party at the Kensington Roof Gardens and I'd gone out for a breath of fresh air and they used to have these flamingos outside and I'd gone to look at the flamingos and there's this sort of tall handsome guy standing in the doorway smoking a Marlboro light holding a Red Bull and vodka and he's like hey do you want to come into my party and I was like yeah because the one I'm at is really boring and then I realized it was Prince Harry and (gasps) I got invited into his sort of inside set and spent the evening with him and all of his friends now at that time, he was 17 or 18. He was meant to be revising for his A-levels. And instead, he was surrounded by this sort of bevy of gorgeous blondes, packets of cigarettes, magnums of 
vodka Red Bull and having a great time. And I thought, oh my God, you are super fun. And I'm going to start covering the Royals. So that sort of opened this, that was the touch paper, I suppose, for my my career as a Royal correspondent. And, you know, I think I learned through all the years of of, of covering the Royals, as Erin says, it's it's often the minutiae that people find the most interesting, those little moments that give you a window into their world. So that moment where their hairdresser, James Price, I was talking to him about doing Kate's Kate's hair for the evening and he'd gone to Clarence's house to, to go and help her get ready for the evening. And, you know, that, that image of the three of them sitting on this bed, Kate still with the tiara in her hair, watching the playback on the wedding, you know, it's like the royals. They're really just like us. Because, of course, you'd want to see that on playback. Yes, you'd want to exactly. go and have that experience. And I think as Erin and I have made Dynasty and, and we're constantly looking to highlight and illuminate what we say with anecdotes and with these stories, because there are many royal podcasts out there. OK, we needed to do and we wanted to do something very, very different. And I think we've achieved that. So much of that is in those very human stories. And I think Erin, the episode where I think it's so well illustrated is in motherhood when we talk about Kate Megan, Diana as as royal mothers, it, when you hear that episode, you'll hear some some lovely anecdotes in there that just, you know, they are mothers and 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 how they mother and how they've done it differently from Kate taking George, Kate and William taking George back to the Middleton's family home. You know, the first time an heir to the throne is not raised and brought up in a palace. These moments are really important and 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 really quite fascinating as well. Well, a total detour on that. I was going to ask you talk about the little moments that you mentioned. The Issa dress. I have so many questions about this nugget that you shared in uh, in one of the episodes. Why yeah. did you have it, Katie? <laughs> Why did you have the Issa dress? And they because Rachel, I'm ahead of the trend. Obviously, you are, clearly. <laughs> but then why did they want it back? It was the brand that wanted you to return it. Was that or was it your? We were trying to figure this out because I want to know everything. I remember following the evolution of that Issa dress and the brand too. Well, I, I tell you what happened. I. My book, William and Harry, was had just hit the shelf. So the timing couldn't have been better. You know, within days of my book hitting the newsstands, there's a there's a royal engagement announcement. So it, it's wonderful. And, it, and the book went to the to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. And it was a very exciting moment, not least because my final publicity engagement was in Toronto, which actually was, you know, the symmetry with Megan. There was a, <laughs> got to it see all comes her, full circle. Yeah, yeah, it all comes full circle. Got to see her hometown. But I'd been doing a series of interviews there and I sort of saved the best dress for last, which was this beautiful sapphire blue wrap dress from Issa. Now, Daniela Issa, who is the the co the founder and the designer of this brand of dresses, was very press savvy. She had lots of people out there wearing her dresses, but of course, her most famous client was the Duchess of Cambridge. So much so that there was apparently a mannequin in her studio, exactly of the Duchess's dimensions, so that Duchess didn't have to come in for dress fittings; they could all be done on site. So I'd gone in to borrow some dresses for my press appearances, one of which was this sapphire blue dress, and. When I landed from Canada and the news dropped that the couple were engaged, I, I literally went from the airport to Buckingham Palace with the intention of wearing this blue dress because it had <laughs> gone down such a storm. And I, I I had a message, many messages on my phone that day, you know, mostly from networks wanting interviews, but also one from a very panicked Daniela Issa saying, <laughs> Katie, we have got to get this dress back. We need it back. No one else can be seen wearing it. So of course I I got the dress sent back. And then it was 
only when I met Kate that afternoon that I realized why there was such a panic because she also had the same dress. Can you imagine the journalist you showed up and her both in the same dress would have been an absolute disaster. So disaster was averted, oh, but I was wow. the first to wear it. That is incredible. I just love that story. <laughs> I'm so glad we have the background too. I know, I know. It illuminates just everything. So this is kind of what I like about Katie and I working together. I'm like American, qua American, like really doesn't get like much more. <laughs> like I'm from the West. Grandparents are cowboys, kind of American. And I love because Katie has so many of these great stories and our dynamics that I'm the kind of person who like you know, I, I think it. I think it's really perfect. Katie has said before that she really wanted to be a war correspondent when she was younger. And like my goal is, and what I, I kind of also do is like a book reviewer. So I love being the person who like picks through the stories for the details that it shows you just how much planning really goes into each and every event. And it's like why, you know, one of the things we come back to in the Kate and William episode is that it's really difficult to be the kind of person who is able to function in a context that requires so much planning, so many people giving input into your life. You have to have your sapphire dress because of your sapphire ring. You've got to get to the right person who has your dimensions, that kind of stuff. And Kate, you know, we know from her family and her background that like she was a person who both is really down to earth, but also can can survive in that kind of high pressure environment where everything has to be just right. Yeah, the precision of it all. Right, exactly. And we were saying before this that Aaron and Katie, you guys balance each other out so well on the podcast. But we want to know, so for future episodes, what can our listeners look forward to? What's coming up? I mean, you've had a bevy of tremendous guests already. We've heard from Omid Scobie, Kristen Meinzer, Michelle Ruiz, some others. So tell us who's coming up. We've got some good historians there, haven't we? We spoke to Patrick Jeffson, who was a really interesting interviewee. Obviously, we we do deep dive into the Diana years. You can't make a series on the House of Windsors without a lot of it being about Diana. And in fact, Aaron, I think your interview with Tina Brown was probably one of the best of the series, wasn't it? I mean, that was that was a great interview. Because Tina is just, I think, you know, it it because Diana and you know, I definitely I love loved her and have my whole life. She, she she has this way that she comes off in the in she's a saint. And I think because Tina grew up alongside Diana, talks about, you know, first kind of meeting her when they were working on a Tatler feature. They were looking for redheads, were very disappointed to find out that the younger Spencer sister was not a redhead, <laughs> that she has seen Diana grow up but also has seen all of those complicated facets of her. And I think that she's the she's the one person who kind of has kept Diana in her full, complicated humanity alive. And I think that that is like why it's, she's so, so, so fun to talk to about it. Well, we can't wait to hear that with Tina Brown. That'll be amazing on a future, future episode. And other seasons, right? Dynasty is going to continue past the Windsors. Is that right? I am not too sure what the, what the future holds, like who's going next. The great minds of Vanity Fair, um, especially Claire Howarth, who is the editor who kind of had the idea for the series, they, I think that everybody is just so fascinated by so many different families and so many different scandals that like, it, it, they, it's a scandal is an inexhaustible resource. Yes. <laughs> totally. Yes, absolutely. Well, and while we have you both, Jubilee predictions, what can you share with us? Will we see Harry and Meghan on the balcony? What What are you both anticipating? Well, I hope we see them on the balcony. I mean, obviously, Erin and I go into a lot of detail about Oprah. In fact, we've literally just recorded a, a, an episode where we both got very passionate about Oprah and the fallout, what it meant for the Sussexes. Was it worth it? You know, we really do we really do go deep into that. I think given that this is likely to be the Queen's final hurrah 
And certainly she's going to be the only royal to celebrate a platinum jubilee. I know that it's her wish for her whole family to be up there. It's going to be the last time. So there are still a lot of challenges to overcome, um, not least between William and Harry. But the Queen's made it clear she'd like Harry to be there, assuming they can get over these, you know, slightly hard to understand security issues. I hope that he's there. I hope Meghan's there too. I think the whole point for many people about having a royal family is it is a show of unity. They are an emblem of togetherness. You know, there have been so many fractures within the royal family in the past couple of years that actually to project that image with the Windsors on a global stage, you know, if for no one else but the Queen, it would just be great if everyone could get over their differences. So I'm hoping that the Sussexes will be there. I mean, of course, there's a big question mark over Prince Andrew, what sort of a role mm-hmm. he's going to play. We saw the negative fallout after he he was there in such a prominent capacity for Philip's service of Thanksgiving to the Duke of Edinburgh. So, you know, I suppose what Erin and I have probably discovered in all of this in that is that it may be a dynasty. It is the most famous family in the world, but they have the same problems, the same family feuds, the same fallouts as the rest of us, they're not immune to that. It's just that they have to deal with all their family drama on a public stage. Absolutely. We couldn't agree with that more, actually. It's, you know, one of the things that's, you know, another way to somehow relate on some level. I think we're also going to see, I'd say, I'd say like the soft launch, we've already been seeing it, but I think the real launch of what is it going to be like when King Charles and Queen Camilla are really the people who are holding down the royal family who are really anchoring the events and who are really serving, you know, in that front, you know, who are really standing in that front row. Uh, I think that one of the things that I've discovered in the process of doing the podcast is just how wrong my previous perception of Charles was. Mm. And I think the more you kind of come to understand him as a person, the sort of life that he's led, you see the qualities in him that do make him like a really good figure for 21st century United Kingdom. And I think it's really because he is really passionate about British culture, British crafts, British art, and he's really passionate about religion and interfaith dialogue. And so I think those are the places where you're going to see him during the Jubilee. Like he's got messages about the environment, about religion, that he is really going to try to you know, be the Queen's representative on that, because going forward, that is really what he's going to focus on in his own reign. I think it's going to be a very interesting jubilee, because when you look at the the golden jubilee, the diamond jubilee, as much as it is about celebrating that milestone moment in royal history and reflecting on what in the Queen's case has been an absolutely remarkable reign, no one can disagree with that. This feels very much that it's a moment to look to the future as well. We are going to be having all the discussions that Erin and I have on Dynasty about the future of the monarchy. What does it look like? And can this institution survive? I've just written my latest book, which is called The New Royals, which I hope answers some of those questions and certainly explores a narrative that feels very much that it's right at the surface at the moment. What do you think the answer is, Katie? Can it survive? I mean, what is your... I think it can. I think it will. It survived for the past thousand years. Whether it will survive another thousand years, who knows? The world is moving at such a rapid pace that it's hard to predict anything five years down the line. But I don't think there is an appetite in Britain for a republic. I think there is a huge amount of goodwill towards the royal family because of the Queen. And I think as Erin said, and it's been so interesting watching Erin's full 360 on Charles because that is... (laughs) 
fascinating. And I'm so pleased she has had that about term because I think, Erin, you're quite reflective of many people who cast him off as someone who's waited in the shadows for too long, someone who's perhaps not relevant in a, in a modern society. But actually, when you break down what he's done and what he's said and what he's campaigned for, it has been on point. It has been absolutely relevant. And they are the issues that we are discussing. Climate change, preservation of architecture, genetically modified crops. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So yeah, I think the future is positive. And and even if you can't quite get your head around an aging King Charles III and Queen Camilla, because as we now know, we will have Queen Camilla, we have the promise of the Cambridges. And that Mm. is a bright and optimistic future for the House of Windsor. But I think as we saw from that difficult tour the Cambridges did in, in Jamaica, Belize and the Bahamas, things do have to change. The monarchy doesn't have to be ahead of the curve, but it has to be tracking with it. It's been the Queen's greatest skill for the past seven decades. Very soon it'll be in the hands of her son and her grandson to see if they can track it as successfully as she has. And so soon after the Jubilee, I mean, then we have Prince Harry's memoir. Do you think that could potentially come in and kind of throw all of that that you just set out the window? Well, given that Erin and I have just been discussing all of the <laughs> truth bombs that, that were hurled at us over Oprah, many of which Erin and I have had some spicy conversations about, you've got to think, what more can they possibly say, right? Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, right. there's been a race row that's erupted because of it. We've heard how, how Harry believes his father and his brother is trapped in the institution. We've heard so much. I'm very curious as to what we're going to read about it's not a small book deal. We're talking a million dollars here. So, you know, they're going to want some story for their buck. It's going to be a case of wait and see. But as I've learned with the Sussexes, never underestimate anything that they can do and never say never, because just as you think the story can't get any madder, it really does. I'll never forget. We had a conversation before the Oprah interview, just kind of planning our coverage. And I remember kind of blasely being like, yeah, they're really going to, you know, make it worth our Sunday night, you know, hour. And I was so shocked because I think I think that, well, and I think that this, the, why, why the royals are always so interesting to me is that, you know, you can based on, you know, how public figures behave, you can kind of guess what they're going to do. But like they are they're people. They're always going to surprise you. And I think with Harry's book, I don't know it's, you know, the unknown unknowns. I don't know how many stories there are left to unearth, but I think that we are probably going to get some confirmation on things that everybody's really suspected that he's never spoken about, you know, and I think specifically, I think that there are, you know, there have been a lot of stories told about the way that adults in Harry and William's lives worked when they were kids to shield them from the press, you know, stories like, um, you know, what they would do at the boarding schools with they would sometimes not put the tabloids out on the tables if they knew that the parents were going to be in them that day. Um, William uh, in Tina Brown's new book, she discusses how William watched uh, the Diana interview by himself while he's away at school. And it was really upsetting for him. I think that we might see more of those stories from the boys perspective and like get and, you know, from the royal writer perspective, it's just even if it's even if there's absolutely nothing new in it, it just to have confirmation that the things that that certain things that everybody thinks is true is actually true from the person right. is just going to feel so invaluable. Yeah, <laughs> totally. absolutely. Well, it's been such a joy to have you both on. Thank you so much for joining and tell everyone where they can follow along, how to subscribe to the show, all of that stuff. Well, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You search Vanity Fair's Dynasty. You can also go to VanityFair.com slash Dynasty. 
you can keep up with me. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at at Vanderhuffy. I uh, tweet about a lot of things, but a lot of royal jewelry. That is my my main passion in life. Ooh, I like that. And Katie, when is your new book out? So the new Royals is going to be published by Hachette on the 1st of November, which is very exciting. (laughs) Erin has literally been with me for the whole journey because as we've been making this podcast together, I've had the manuscript up and I've been working all hours. Um, And I've also co-written the official Jubilee book, which will be published by St. James's House. That's coming out in June to celebrate the pageant. So I've given birth to two books and a podcast this year. I feel very proud of myself and very excited about all the things to come. So um, you can follow me on Instagram at Katie underscore Nickel and on Twitter. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank Thank you. you. I do love our conversation with them. And I love thinking that Katie might have even matched Kate at her engagement That was amazing. Also the stuff about Charles. I think that that was really interesting. What a fun chat. All right, now for our highs and lows of the week. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. My low is just that Pearl was dropped at Netflix. That's that children's show Megan was working on about the adventures of a 12-year-old girl who finds inspiration from women throughout history. This is kind of sad all around because Netflix has had a really tough quarter and year, and they've axed a bunch of people in shows, including their head of animation, a Roll Doll series. So it's not just Megan, which I think the British media has kind of latched onto that. Yeah, they're playing that up like mad that it was just yeah, her. It's of course exactly. to that be expected. narrative is really right. But, um, you know, it's a bummer because I think if Netflix does add ads, I just don't know if I'll even want to keep it myself. But I mean, I will... we'll never not watch The Crown, though. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's yeah, our gateway right. to The Crown. You <laughs> will right. always have it, Duh. ads or not. <laughs> where will where will Pearl live, though? I just wonder because oh, yeah. I think it, it'll hopefully get picked up yeah, by see the else, day. So. It sounds so but great. it is yeah. probably bad news for the Sussexes for yeah, now. Yeah, bummer if you were working on it. Milo is another Windsor security breach. Like, what the heck, Roberta? What's happening? I don't know. It's <laughs> this really one is pretty funny, bad. too. A man poses a priest and spent the night in the barracks housing at Windsor with the soldiers that are there to protect the queen. He apparently showed up, said he had a relationship with someone. He was like, and they just let him in without checking his ID. They had drinks. They laughed. They joked. They gave him a bed. And then they woke up and they were like, yeah, that guy's not who he said he was. And there was also this funny story about how he had popped by the Prince Harry pub, which is nearby, the week before. And he said that, I think it was like Prince Harry and Princess Meghan told, or Princess Markle said that he should go there anytime he's in town and they've got his back, they'll take care of him, something like that. But um, all around, I think he has mental health issues. There, yeah. He wasn't arrested, but it's, how is this happening? The queen was at Sandringham, so she wasn't there when this happened. We just had the intruder with the crossbow though. It makes me think of Harry saying he needs to protect the yeah, queen. Yeah, I like, thought I'm that like, too. Oh gosh, maybe he really does because this is weird. And also, there should be a higher punishment for people impersonating holy figures or yes. like you know religious people. Like that just feels very off. But also, it's hilarious that he tricked these people for over an like 24 hours. So but there's I don't been know. so many of these breaches. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. My high this week is that the Cambridges are supposedly shaking up their team, and I 
This is my high because I feel like it's a step in the right direction and I want to give props where props are due because we often criticize, but I think it's important. This is from the mirror, so obviously take it with a grain of salt, but the Cambridges held crisis meetings and obviously it's a little too little too late, but this is a move in the right direction. The source says that after the disaster tour of the Caribbean, it's pretty, they didn't say those words, that was me. I was like, that's brilliant. The source, this is the quote, said it's pretty clear that the Cambridges need a drastic rethink they're asking themselves whether there's enough diversity in their team and they already know the answers so mm-hmm. that's good they're asking themselves these questions they're being introspective that's what we want so yeah. hopefully there's progress there yeah we hope to see it play out that way on that note which is kind of funny over shaking up their crisis meetings uh crisis team never complain never explain on that note um I could not get over the Fergie appearance where she was wearing shoes that were emblazoned with the words "never complain, never explain." Like you have we were to torn about hand this. It to we were her. torn about. I know. Like, is I don't, this funny or is this weird? Is because this a she, high or a low? Because that, she let him. She let Andrew explain via her Instagram. So I was yeah, like, mm. I think that that's what's so funny is that you know she wore them out to a private members club. It's a high for me because you just gotta hand it to her. Like it's so freaking bold, and also <laughs> a high because. I sort of want the shoes only because it's so inside baseball with the royal family. Oh, I family. totally want them. I totally want them. But just the military jacket, this is where it gets icky for me, is just like she's going so hard on this message. Simultaneously, she can't stop explaining or allowing Andrew to explain. So it is a high-low combo a little bit. I feel like but- there's, there's like shades of like the Tina Brown book release with this yes. because I think that she also is um, – she really gets a bad rap in that book as well. And Andrew totally, I mean, Tina Brown spares no one, but definitely Prince Andrew. So it's just funny, the timing of all this. But do you know the brand of the shoes? Are they? Yes, it's Del Toro and they are $400, okay. but you have to pay an additional 40 to get them monogrammed or personalized like she did. Oh, wait, they, wait. They don't what? exist. Like she actually wait. made them that way. They're just, what? so you can choose, I think, whatever is- copy you want. <laughs> This is so much better. I thought these existed <laughs> no. as they are. If they existed, <gasps> they would be sold out because every Roro would own these shoes. Rachel. But they're incredible, right? I know. Wow. She so you have to pay to the that. extra cash to uh, to make that special phrasing happen on your toesies. Anyways. Oh, my God. Toesies. <laughs> isn't that not a good reference? With <laughs> Fergie. <laughs> oh, Whoops. my God. Okay, moving on. The Rachel. (laughs) We should close this out with a review. (laughs) This person says, I too am really obsessed. Good job, ladies. I so enjoyed this week's podcast, and I love the reviews with Rachel and Phil from Stream On. I'm so glad that you guys like that. Both seasons of British Scandals are fabulous. Proud to be a Roro. Thanks, Brenda. That was such a fun chat, and I have so much royal content to watch. So I am overwhelmed. I have a list. I'm overwhelmed as well. All right. Reminder to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Please write us in info at gallerypodcast.com. Oh, and, and can I add one other line? If your please. size of your Royally Obsessed oh. merch that you want to acquire and add to your closet, which is really a well, good idea. Right now, um, if it happens to be out of stock, just put there's now a feature where you can add a note that goes on a wait list. So just yeah. keep an eye out for that. It says, notify me when this is back in stock. Click that, add your email. We will send emails. We're about to do a reorder, so. And our team is keeping tabs on that. So just utilize that feature. That's all. Yes. Shop.royallyobsessed.com. All right, that's all. Till next week. 
God save the pod! Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.